Hello and welcome to Local Matters. I'm your host, Buddy Pearson. We talk about education. My guest today is the provost at Tennessee Tech. She's also the vice president for academic affairs, Miss Lori Bruce, with us today. Provost Bruce, thank you so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to be with us here on Local Matters. Well, thank you for having me here. I am very excited to share about all of the great activities we have going on at Tennessee Tech this fall. And, you know, the fall semester is pretty much about half over. We've, we've, it's been rolling right along. How has it been going so far for you? Well, it's been busy, and yeah. it's been a good busy. We have – I just feel like the energy level is so high on campus right now. Yeah. You know, when you're – you know when classes are changing. Yeah. It's a flood of students changing from building to building, and I, I love that energy of seeing all the students and hearing their stories about what they're studying and what they're doing. And so uh, the energy level is very high and very positive this fall. Yeah, and great enrollment this fall. Oh, yeah, great enrollment. We have um, 10,117 students, not that anybody's counting. Yeah, not that anybody's counting in in. <laughs> With those, you've got some newly launched academic programs, and since you are the chief academic program uh, or academic officer at the university, I'm sure you know a little bit about those newly launched programs. What are they and how are they doing? Just in the last couple of years, we've launched a new Bachelor of Science in Studio Arts. Mm -hmm. We've launched a new Bachelor of Science in Music um, with some emphasis on uh, sound live sound production. What yes. in the industry they call audio sound, engineering. Audio engineering, yes. Um, but we call it we're we're particular. We call it live sound production. But um, yeah. we also launched a bachelor new bachelor of science in design studies. That is rocking. Lots of students want to be in design studies. A new bachelor of science in animal science. Really. A new masters just in the last couple of years. A new masters in uh, community health and nutrition. And just a and a new PhD in higher ed that launched this fall. Um, so a lot of new programs at the undergrad and at the grad level. Yeah. But almost all of them have some kind of emphasis or concentration on technology, innovation, yeah. and uh, kind of that woven throughout that academic program. So we kind of see the trend and where that's going now, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I were to say how many academic programs – are there at Tennessee Tech? Um, you were so good to, to have the enrollment right on the money. Yeah. How many academic um, programs? I'd say over well over a hundred. Okay. Well over a hundred yeah. academic programs. You know, we fluctuate. Typically, around a quarter of our students are engineering, mm-hmm. and so people think of us as, yeah, we're the engineering school. Sure. Which, yep, yeah, we are. We have great engineering programs. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing. No. But that means 75% of our students are not engineering students. <laughs> yes. So, you know, we have, um, of course, College of Engineering is our largest um, with an enrollment of, let me see, I think around 2,800, okay. 2,850 students. But, you know, our College of Education has over 1,800 students. Uh, we have over 800 nursing students. Yeah. So, you know, there's something for everybody. It's very comprehensive. Right. Um, but again, very STEM-infused, technology-infused, but um, almost anything you want to study, you're going to find an undergrad or a graduate program at Tennessee Tech. Yeah, and, and it's funny that you bring up those numbers there about college education and the Whitson Hester School of Nursing because two weeks mm-hmm. ago we had Corby King on, who's the director of Putnam County Schools, and he talks about you know, needing more teachers in the system, needing more teachers. And Tennessee Tech, obviously a great producer of teachers 
in the state of Tennessee. Yeah, curriculum and instruction is the home department for most of those programs, and that's one of our largest departments on campus. We're very proud that we graduate a lot of STEM teachers. Yeah, a lot of teachers in you know math and science and and engineering and computer science. We have we have programs where if you want to be like a CTE kind mm. of teacher in yes. high school, lots of those kinds of teachers are, are educated at Tennessee Tech. Then, of course, the Whitson Hester School of Nursing, we had Dr. Melissa Geis, Dr. Brian Paramore talking about an infectious disease grant, but they were also talking about the School of Nursing and just how great it is and all the nursing students that are in there. And again, Tennessee Tech at the forefront of nursing. Yes, and we're very proud of our nursing students. They perform very well. They're ready to go right into the workplace on graduation. We have very high uh, pass rates of our NCLEX, which is their licensure, so they can be a licensed uh, for practice in nursing. And our doctoral students, uh, we have a, a doctorate of, of DNP, Doctorate of Nurse Practitioner. Mm-hmm. And that, I was looking just yesterday at the data, we had a 100% pass rate for every graduate from there gra- passing their boards, their certification boards. Yeah. So very proud of our nursing students. And most of them stay in the Upper Cumberland, yeah. and that's a proud point. We know that they're making a difference in the health and the lives of citizens in the Upper Cumberland. That's awesome. Now, as the provost, and of course that's a word that uh, academics know on a college campus, but people say What's a provost? I mean, what do you do as a provost? Obviously, you stay up to date with all the academic comings and goings there, but really, what's your essential function? Well, my my most important function is to be the chief academic officer and to really pay special attention to our academic programs, making sure we have the right mix of academic programs to meet the needs of the citizens of the state, but to make sure they're relevant, Mm -hmm. make sure they're accredited so that when students graduate from our programs, uh, they have a degree they can be very proud of, uh, overseeing all the faculty, the hiring of the faculty, uh, overseeing the promotion and tenure processes of faculty, but really looking at all of our academic program, the real true mission of the university is to educate the citizens of the state. Mm-hmm. And then the secondary mission is to make sure that our faculty are using their areas of expertise to provide service and research and solutions to the state. Mm. And so that comp combined is really what my focus is on, is making sure we have the right mix of faculty, the right mix of academic programs, and that they're all top-notch. So 10,381, I think you said, was the, the enrollment, over 100 academic programs. How many faculty members do we have at Tennessee Right Tech? at 600 okay. uh, this fall. Yeah. So 600 faculty, and you know that's a mix of – of tenure, tenure track faculty, uh, lecturers, and some part-time faculty. But I, at last count, I believe our official number was 599, 599 faculty. At Can't just get Tech. that one more to get to 600? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, when you're adding new academic programs, like you were talking about just a couple of minutes ago, mm-hmm. you have to add faculty to go with that. Yes. Or you're you're asking current faculty to teach some more of those classes, but more than likely, I'm sure you're probably bringing in some more folks to teach yes. those things. And being very strategic about it, for example, making sure we hire 
our new PhD in higher ed mm-hmm. program has an emphasis on data science. Mm-hmm. And so making sure we have really good data science faculty that not only serve that program, but can also serve other programs on campus. So obviously data science, uh, data literacy is important to a lot of our degree programs. So sometimes it's adding faculty with the right background that can not only help us launch new programs, but really keep our existing programs very relevant. All right, I want to jump this rabbit and chase it for a minute. You mentioned data science, and it just so happens on my phone I was I got a survey about data science being in our schools. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if that's that's something that that's coming, yes, data science, yes. Uh, what is your take on getting it in the high schools, middle school, getting it at, you know in 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 the other areas? Oh, I think it's very important. I think data literacy yeah. is the term I use. Okay. I think being having data literacy is important as any other form of literacy. Mm-hmm. And so how do you how do you comprehend data? How do you how do you know the relevance of data? How do you know if data is trustworthy? Mm-hmm. People can throw around numbers, yes. but is are they really trustworthy numbers? You can manipulate uh, you know research however you want to. Right. So you can you can pick and choose data yes. to to kind of build a case. Yeah. So really educating people at all different ages mm-hmm. of how to how to interpret data how to uh, check the source is this accurate data and then also how do they tell a story with data mm-hmm. you know how do you how do you tell a story with data but being able to read and understand and comprehend data is a very important part of the modern day and I think that's important at K-12 just as much as it is at higher ed. Yeah, because now it seems like there are more classes, there's more academic programs that's really going along that path. So they need that training, like you say, in K-12. through So how do you tell, do you tell school superintendents, hey, look, you know, this is something that we would like to see in your school system or we think needs to be implemented yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's important from a very, very young age, yeah. right? From I mean, from even a an elementary school age. Okay. How do you how do you generate data mm-hmm. yourself? How do you make measurements? How do you generate data? How do you read other people's data? How do you sort through when you have a, a tidal wave of data coming at you? Mm-hmm. How do you sort through what's really pertinent there and make uh, wise decisions about that and discern? what's important and what's not important in that data. That's that's a skill that people need, I think, from a very early age. Now, does that come in the form of like a computer science uh, academic program or more in the math area? I think it's very cross-cutting. Okay. It's, it's math and computer science, but it's in every discipline. Um, I don't see that as something that's siloed. Okay. You, know, you take a math course about data. Right. It's very because I've always seen be it compared to math. Co- yeah, they're like right. we're, we're, we want to replace math courses with data science courses. But to me, uh, I think it should just be included, not replacing something else. Right. Yeah. Right. It's. I mean, I think about it like almost like in terms of like reading. You know, we don't take a reading class. Right. We read, and we learn how to interpret what we're reading. Um, across every course, yeah, that should, in my mind, is where kind of we're going in the 21st century of with data. It's very infused across every discipline. Mm. We're talking with Provost Lori Bruce. I'm Buddy Pearson, and you're listening 
to local matters. What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardee's. Shop local at Office Mart. This is Local Matters. I'm Buddy Pearson. We're speaking with Provost Lori Bruce from Tennessee Tech. And I want to I want to go ahead and jump in and get your opinion on what you think is the biggest issue in college education today. I mean, I know it's the 30,000 view over college education, but and there's a lot of issues out there, but as the provost, as the chief academic officer at Tennessee Tech, what do you think is just the, the biggest glaring issue in college education today? I think the biggest glaring issue is why. People ask, why why go to college? Why study at a university? Mm-hmm. I think more than any time in our recent history. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in, in decades past, people assumed, well, you you study at a university, that's helping you create a better life for yourself. Right. And I think more and more just citizens in society are asking, well, prove it to me. Why? Why should I spend four years studying for a degree? And thousands of dollars. Right, for, for a degree. And so I think that's the biggest issue is ensuring that we not only ensure that our programs are relevant and that our programs are helping people uh, be better citizens, have better careers, yeah. have m- social mobility. Yeah. They're moving up in life because they were educated. So not only it be true, mm-hmm. but actually communicate that to people so they know it's true. They have confidence in that because they're dedicating their time, their energy, their money, mm-hmm. their pocketbook, and their time. You know, they're spending their time studying in a discipline. We need to make sure that we are helping them see a path of how they're going to use that to carve out a better life for themselves. And one of the ways they can do that is by getting a better return on their investment. Absolutely. And that is where Tennessee Tech comes in. That's where we shine. Yeah. You know, we shine because we have uh, the lowest of any public university uh, in the state, the lowest average debt. Half our students graduate debt-free, which when I share that with other provosts around the country, their jaw drops. (laughs) Um, And then you add to that that they have the highest starting average salary. Right. And so, you know, you have a very high starting average average starting salary Mm -hmm. and a low debt. Then you know that's a return on your investment. Right. Um, But the key, I think, is looking 10 years out. Are people – satisfied with their careers? Are they in a job they love? Yeah. Do, they, do they know they're making a difference? And did that college that college education really tee them up mm-hmm. for that kind of a career where they're not just working a job? Yeah. They have a satisfying profession that they're a part of, and they know they're giving back and making a difference in the world. 
you know, as uh, an adjunct faculty at Tennessee Tech, and and I've been in EXPW and communications, and I see more of it used to be just come in, just get a degree, you can figure out what you want to do later on in life kind of thing. And now it seems like students come in and they have a much better understanding of what they want to do, where they want to do this, how they want to go about doing it. And Tennessee Tech is helping them uh, kind of create that path to where they know where they're going. Absolutely. And I, I think students nowadays, they come in and, you know, when I was a student, I studied something because the professor said, study it. It's important. Yeah. You'll understand later. Yeah, yeah. And I just was like, okay, I'll trust you. <laughs> I'll study it. Students today, they're like, why? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. How is this relevant? Yes. Where am I going to use this in my job? Where is this going to be used in my career? Mm-hmm. And so it's really incumbent upon us to make sure, number one, it is relevant and they are going to use it. But number two, helping them see how they're going to use that. But a lot of students come in with – they know kind of the lifestyle they want, the type of career or path they want, and we help them find the degree program that's going to fit best for that. Yeah. And sometimes that's creating their own. You know, our interdisciplinary studies program is yes. very popular for that reason. It really is. I was talking to a student the other day, and, and I said, so what are you studying? And they said, oh, I'm, I'm majoring in interdisciplinary studies because I want to do mission work. And I said, well, talk to me about that. <laughs> yeah. And so their program of study that that an advisor had helped them carve out was some religious studies, business classes, language, foreign language classes, project management classes. So they they carved out and created a program of study that was very customized for what they want to do with their life. Mm-hmm. And so that students are coming in very savvy, yeah. I'd say, they these really days. Are. Yes, yeah. they know ahead of time. Well, so obviously that, you know, we got your take on what you think the, the big issue is, the why. But I want to bring up uh, an issue that I think probably a lot of educators are dealing with, and that is the AI chat GPT issue. And having two college students of my own, uh, you know, the father of two college students, I see them and I especially have a son who says, oh, yeah, I'm just going to use AI or chat GPT to, to help with this, you know. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, is that, first of all, is that ethical too? Are you cheating in some way? Because uh, as an instructor, you know, I don't want all my students just regurgitating AI chat GPT stuff. Right. So, you know, we knew, I'd say a year ago, this is really, it's always been out over the horizon. Yeah. But it was really coming over the horizon. So I put together a task force on campus of faculty, staff, and students. Mm -hmm. And one was to look at academic integrity. So I had two groups. I formed two groups. One was to look at academic integrity. How do we help the students and the faculty define an appropriate level of use of AI? Yes. So like ChatGPT, uh, BARD, there, there's a lot of them out there. Right. And so, you know, it's not that you're necessarily using it as wrong. It's the misuse of that technology yeah. is where you start to drift off into kind of integrity issues and ethical issues. So we put together a task force to really help def- make some definitions mm-hmm. so that faculty could be very clear with their students at the beginning of the semester. The, this is what my expectations of you are. Mm-hmm. And we kind of have three categories. One is, hey, anything goes, use chat, B- chat, chat GPT all you want. Yeah. Just disclose the fact that you're using it. Yeah. Some faculty are kind of middle ground. On some assignments, you can use it as a tool. Yeah. 
And then some are like, no use of chat GPT in this class. So helping the faculty and the students understand expectations so everybody kind of stays in their lane right. and doesn't drift, drift out of their lane and accidentally get themselves in a situation where they're misusing something they really didn't intend to do. Yeah. But the other task force, which I find infinitely more interesting, <laughs> is on how do we leverage AI. Yeah. How do we leverage to help students have a customized learning experience? Mm-hmm. You know, it is a technology like any other technology. I said, in my mind, it's akin to the calculator. Right. When the calculator came on the scene, some mathematicians said, well, this is the end of the world. Yeah. Right. right. The world's coming to an end as we know it <laughs> because people aren't going to do long division by hand anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and we know that that's a tool that we're actually savvier mathematicians in general, right. as humans, yeah. because we have calculators. Yeah. So if we use AI and harness it, it can actually make us much more productive and effective in whatever we're doing. Right. We just have to be careful that we don't misuse it. Yeah. And so I have a really good team of people. It's like a little think tank that are helping us look at ways to leverage AI on campus to help our students have a better experience. Because you don't ever want it to replace the element of thinking for yourself. No. And it and it's not. You know, AI is a is to me it's the wrong label. Okay. Um uh, this happens to be my area of research so I'm very passionate about it, but it's really machine learning. You can teach a machine through rote operations to learn things. And so the machine is just predicting what is the next most likely thing that a human would have said in that situation. And so a, the 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 machine learning that's behind ChatGPT really is regurgitating. You now it has millions of databases it's searching through, right? But it's regurgitating what lots of humans have said. Mm-hmm. It's not really coming up with new ideas. I see. And so that creative spark is always going to be where the human adds value. And so if it's something where we just want to pull up information mm-hmm. that we build on, then that's a great use of AI. Yeah. That's Lloyd Bruce. I'm Buddy Pearson, and this is Local Matters. This is Local Matters. I'm Buddy Pearson, and we are with Provost Lori Bruce from Tennessee Tech. And I remember back in, it was probably March of 2020, and I remember being on campus. I was working uh, as the uh, communications person with Karen Likens, and we're talking about this thing called COVID and how it was going to affect us on campus and I remember hearing, well, Provost Bruce has been working and talking about maybe taking the whole campus uh, online and, and uh, doing some things and just thinking, this is crazy. I, I can't even imagine uh, the whole university going online and, and finishing the spring semester this way. And lo and behold, COVID hits, everything gets shut down, and Tennessee Tech finishes the spring semester online. And I remember distinctly you had – uh, you started working on this weeks ahead and that Tennessee Tech was ready to go when COVID hit. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I have a lot of colleagues and uh, uh, 
professional colleagues in Italy and France, and we know if we look back, it hit those countries earlier than it hit the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so I was very, I had a heightened awareness of what was happening in the universities in those other countries and just in their society, right. everything shutting down. And so I kept saying to the deans, is it a, po- is it a probability? No. Is it a possibility? Yes. yes. And we need to be ready because I kept hoping it wouldn't hit the pandemic wouldn't hit the U.S. until summer yeah, and that we would have like, oh, and then it'll kind of die down. It might slightly impact fall little, you know, little did I know it was going to hit full force mid spring. Yeah. But we had spent a lot of time in the spring semester preparing for the possibility of a complete shutdown and a a complete kind of lock in across the country um, and being able to do all of our classes online. Fortunately for us, and not necessarily for our competitors, we got out there and bought pretty much every webcam, every every uh, you know piece of equipment we could, MacBook and MacBooks, yeah, uh, all these things. everything to be able to teach remotely. Yeah, and uh, we had everything coming in, and so it hit the supply chain for other universities. They were kind of caught unaware, but we had all of our technology in place. We had increased all of the internet bandwidth on campus and prepared ourselves about the time it hit. Yeah. And since then, we're, you know, three years plus now, Mm -hmm. uh, since then, there has been an influx of technology now uh, at universities and at Tennessee Tech. So what has that done academically uh, to to classes, to programs, yeah. to those kind of things. So, you know, at that time, we didn't teach very much online. Yeah. We had a, a few isolated programs, our MBA program, our Master's of Nursing, our, our DNP program. We had some programs that were 100% online, but we had many faculty that had never taught online. Mm-hmm adamantly opposed mm-hmm. to teaching online. Yeah. They felt like it, it it took away something from the student's experience, and they were forced into a situation of doing it. Now, many of them were more than ready, like after one semester of that, they were ready to come back full-time in person. Yeah. So we didn't have any problems coming back in person. <laughs> um, but what it did was it really taught us what we were really capable of doing in terms of online and courses that I call um, – Tech enhanced, yes. you know, and so a course can still be meeting in person, but have a lot of online components that is more effective and efficient for the student to use, even though they're they're lectures and they're they're still meeting in person, right. but they have an enhanced experience because they have all the supplemental tools uh, via our online platforms. And I think that's really what. You know, Tennessee Tech came out the other side sharper than we were entering into it. We came out a better institution academically, I believe. Absolutely. Because we were, we embraced, we had to embrace yeah. a lot of instructional technologies that we'd been hesitant to in the past. And we learned that those can supplement and really enhance an in person experience. And, and I was teaching a couple of classes uh, during that time, and I can remember some of the students saying, you know what, I, I just don't really think this is going to work, and then getting the feedback at the end of the semester saying, you know what, this actually worked out, and it's it worked out better than I thought. Yes. You know, when you think about, I think about as a, when I was a student, how many times I would have loved to have gone back and re-listened to a lecture. Yeah. Because I, 
I, I lost focus. Right. I couldn't follow Thinking what they were. I else. couldn't follow what they were talking yeah. about. You know, <laughs> and so being able to go back and rewatch lectures, mm-hmm. being able to go back and and do kind of like, almost like animation. Some we have a couple of faculty that do augmented reality wow. in their classes, and awesome. so there's a there's a lot of technology that has gotten infused into the instruction um, because of COVID. Now, but we're still predominantly an in-person. We're an in-person campus. Oh, yeah. Um, We have about only at our undergrads, only I think 3% of our undergrads are fully online. Okay. Uh, Two-thirds are fully in-person. They don't take a single online course. But about 40% of our students, about a third to 40% of our undergraduate students, they take like a full load in person, and they supplement with one online course. Right. Yeah, my and son they, does that. Yeah, yeah they absolutely. like that. He they does. like it for flexibility of their scheduling. Yep. Um, there's some classes that just naturally lend themselves better to an online platform. Yep. And so, a lot of the students typically will take, you know, three to four classes in person, mm-hmm. one class online, yeah. and that frees them up in their scheduling. If they're working a part-time job or something like that, so they like the convenience of at least one on online course, but they still want to be an in-person, on-campus student having a traditional undergrad experience, and so they're kind of getting the best of both worlds. Absolutely, talking with Lori Bruce, the provost and vice president for academic affairs, also the chief academic officer at Tennessee Tech. Uh, you just you talked. Um, just about that, my my daughter is the traditional. I want to be in class. I want to have the social interaction. My son is, yeah. I'll I'll take a couple of classes. Give me a couple online. I want to free my you know my calendar up to do what I want to do, kind of thing. But one of the things that that COVID really crippled was the study abroad classes and the study abroad programs, which now are back up and running. And that's something that I know. Uh, a lot of people have an interest in, and to be able to study abroad really is something that Tennessee Tech offers, and it's just something that's great if if students want to be able to do that. Absolutely, you know we have a we we had a a pretty thriving study abroad program pre COVID, but mm-hmm. as you know, yeah. I mean during the height of the pandemic, everything shut down. Everything. You could not travel um, overseas. And so that's been coming back this past year. It was going gangbusters. <laughs> I think because students felt maybe deprived of a little bit of a travel and experience, they're more hungry for it. Right. Um, just in the spring and summer alone, we had 155 students go abroad and study and they went to 14 different countries. Wow. So we had students in Belgium, Costa Rica, Finland, France, Germany, uh, we had a big group go to Ghana. They had a great experience. Greece, Italy, Japan. So, you know, Central America, uh, Africa, Europe. And sometimes they go as a group mm-hmm. with a faculty member. Sometimes they go in pairs. They go off and do a semester at a at a university in another country. We have a lot of of arrangements with with universities so that they stay in their dorm their, or their housing. They study with their students. The most of the students, though, like to go in groups, yeah. and they like to go with a faculty <laughs> member. Many of them, it's their first time out of the country, mm-hmm. so it, it feels a little safer, a little bit more secure that way to do that. But just in spring and summer alone, we had a lot of, of undergraduates go on study abroad trips. Yeah. If you could look into your crystal ball. Now, education has changed so much in the last three years. A lot of people, you know, we didn't see this coming 
uh, all the changes. Look in your crystal ball for the next five years at what college education could look like and what academics could look like over the next five years. What do you see? I'd say over the next five years, I, again, it, it's AI is going to be a big – that's mm. going to play a big role yeah. because it's not only going to be an issue of kind of like, well, you know, students Google things, right, right. look things up. But AI helps you kind of create content. And whether you're in art, music, English, or engineering, finding ways to leverage that and harness that tool – to make you a better student, but more make you a better employee mm. of a of a company, right. because companies are going to use whatever tools are Available. accessible yeah. to them. Right. And so, uh, I think that's going to be one of the biggest topics in higher ed over the next five years is us understanding how to help the students harness and leverage that technology so that they can enter the workplace being the best best employee they can for whatever company they go out and start working for. Any potential new academic programs at Tennessee Tech? Well, we just submitted uh, uh, the proposal to uh, the state for a new Master's of Science in Industrial and Systems Engineering. So if that gets approved in the next few months, that'll be our next program to launch in the coming months. I know we're we're running out of time, and and it's not really your area, but there is a lot of construction going on at Tennessee Tech. I hear a lot of complaints about the parking. Not that you could do anything about that, but uh, from an aesthetic perspective, how great is it going to be when this construction is finally over? It's going to be great. You know, it's going to be a lot more pedestrian only in the very center of campus. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, that's going to be fantastic to not have as many automobiles just kind of right there in the center of campus. Um, like I said, the energy's high on campus. Mm-hmm. The students are out. You go out on the quad. They're hanging out. They're, they're, they're out there in mass. And I just look at that and say, oh, when, what, isn't it going to be great when that very center hub of campus is pedestrian only? I think we're going to see the students just kind of hanging out yeah, outside more. Absolutely. And it makes it fun to, you know, as educators, to see the students, to be able to talk to them and interact and, and be able to do those things. So, uh, Dr. Lori Bruce, we appreciate you. You're the provost and the vice president for academic affairs, the chief academic officer at Tennessee Tech. Thank you so much for your knowledge and your input on everything educational today on Local Matters. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And that's all the time we have for this week. I'm Buddy Pearson. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week, and God bless.